0: Ariat boots and clothing work hard, look good and are so comfortable there's never a need to slow down. Visit ariat.com.au
1: today. Today is part two of our chat with Chico Shaw. If you haven't listened to part one, stop right now and go find it. In that episode, Chico shared the story of his adoption from Brazil and into a family from Bondi Beach, and how he ended up working on a cattle station in the Gulf. Of course, he shared lots of memorable moments that came with that experience. In this episode, Chico shares stories from his time in the Northern Territory, why he left the cattle industry for almost a decade, and what led him to coming back. Chico also discusses his experience with mental health, and what it's like not just working with your fiancé, but for them as well. Chico, welcome back to the podcast.
0: Thank you for coming out. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, so last time we recorded on well at the studio, yep. which is at my house in town in Catherine. And now yep. I'm out at a station a couple hours south of Catherine, which is your stomping ground.
0: Yeah, it's no it's really nice you've come out here.
1: Oh, I'm not gonna lie, I'm pretty stoked that there's a recliner chair. This is actually amazing.
0: Yeah, it's pretty nice, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but never- I prefer it in the den.
1: Oh, and my little yeah. studio, the little, you
0: gotta be in the den. I was trying
1: to make a little soundproof studio for Chico last time, everyone. So I had these like dog portable cages, almost like kitty cages as well. And I'd laid all these like blankets over them to kind of make like a little sound booth <laughs> shape around him. But no, nah, this is sweet. I'm sitting in a recliner chair right now. I'm going to, this needs to be the way we do it every time.
0: Well, you know, you never know. You might have to, do, you might have to say that for everyone. I need a recliner chair, otherwise I'm not coming or you're not doing it or. You
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, otherwise there will be <laughs> Or no. you take your
0: recliner everywhere with you in the back of your Prada. I was just thinking, yeah. <laughs> we'll uh, lift it up for you, you'll be right.
1: Yeah, we'll be right. All right, so last time in part one we kind of covered, and also for anyone who hasn't listened, stop, go back, listen to part one because you're just ripping yourself off if you haven't, if you just come into part two. That's like going in to watch the third Harry Potter movie or the last Harry Potter movie without watching all the ones beforehand, like.
0: I used to do that with movies. I've done that before, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, it's pretty stupid.
1: Actually, I did do that with Top Gun this year. I
0: oh, hadn't you seen the first one. No, nah,
1: but then the, that next day I went and watched the first one on, like, Netflix or Stan or whatever. Is that second one any good? Yeah. Like, I, watch I it. went and saw it twice at the movies.
0: Wow. Did you yeah. get popcorn? Chalk top
1: Chalk top yeah. Yeah, smart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it was good. It was good. So, yeah, part one we spoke about your time in the golf and how you – I guess essentially started off as an orphan in Brazil, were adopted into a family in Bondi, and then ended up working on cattle stations in the Gulf. So it's a pretty (laughs) bloody big roller coaster. Yeah. In your first 18 or 20 years of life.
0: 21 years, actually. So, yeah, it's, um, yeah, sort of, I guess I'm just up and down and everywhere, I guess. You never know I might just pop up, you know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, after your time in the Gulf, after a couple of years there, you headed across to the Territory, take us Way back there and tell us what it was like.
0: Well, I was well out of my comfort zone there. It was, um, yeah, just wild. Like, but camping out a lot more. So where I camped out at Numea Valley, it was sort of like a donger thing, but where we camped out in the territory, it was just, you just had your shearer stretcher and then a shed and, and that was it. But it was, it was an amazing experience over there. I loved it. Well, here, I guess you'd say. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we're still here today. So what prompted the move to the Territory?
0: Look, I was getting really sour where I was and it was time to see other things. And again, get out of your comfort zone again, you know, go and work for somebody else and see how other people do things. I suppose you want to better yourself too, don't you, I suppose? So That's what I
1: reckon. So did you better yourself in the Territory? I
0: feel I did. I learned a lot, a lot more about Yeah, sort of standing on your own two feet and and doing things differently. That's that's the thing. Like they're all trying to, I guess they're all trying to work the same thing, but like to get the same result, but they may do things a lot differently to get that result, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're all trying to, I suppose, make a profit, (laughs) but you know, they may do it a different way. Like, so I think there was, oh, there would have been. Oh, there was a fair few of us. I can't remember how many of us were in the camp, but, um, it was sort of, I got there sort of June, July. So it was, and then we started our second round, which was a lot of fun.
1: What was it like starting midway through the year, not at the start of the season with everyone like, I feel like if you're coming in mid-year, everyone's kind of formed a bit of a pecking order and some friendships and they already kind of have like their, their routine and stuff and everyone knows their place. Is that kind of hard to come into a place mid-season?
0: Look, no, it wasn't that bad because the guy who was the overseer of that place, he'd only just came there from Gregory because AA had sold Gregory. So he only just came there. So it's sort of, it was quite a good transition. And then some guys came up from. Other from Camfield, I'm pretty sure. So it's sort of, they sort of just brought this crew together. So we sort of, yeah, we all sort of just had to sort of, yeah. So I wasn't really an outsider. It wasn't as if they'd all been together for the whole year, if you know what I mean, which mm. was good. <laughs> I found that really good. And I really, we had a really, really, really good crew. And right. how'd
1: you go? So this is the second property you've ever yep. worked on. Yep. You said in the last episode that when you turned up to that first property, you know, you had that panic attack that first weekend, yes, a lot of yes, anxiety. Yes, did you feel that coming across to the territory?
0: No, and I can't put my finger on why I didn't feel that. I guess I was nervous, but I was just, I guess, I was really, really excited. Do you know what I mean? Like I went down to Camfield because obviously Mick Tasker I like ran the whole the whole show, so he was the manager at Canfield, but I'd say you'd say he was the, the okay, group manager. Yeah, yeah. For yeah, that. Is, that yeah. How, is that what they say? Yeah. So he ran three places, and then obviously they had managers at the other three places. And um, so I went there for a week, and then he said, look, if if I like the way you work and it works out, I'll send you to a breeder block, because I wanted to go to a breeder block. And... Um, and then, yeah, it just sort of worked out. I was I stayed at Canfield for a week and did a bit of work with, um, a bloke who's still a quite a good friend of mine, Willie Brown, who's down in the,
1: oh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: down. And we, we still chat to this, to this day. So shout out to him. He's a great bloke. Yeah. And, um, and then I did a bit of work there for the week. And then after that, I went, actually went up to, took my car and went up to Monagene, which isn't far. I don't know how far it is, but it's not far at all. Yeah. So, but Monogene is a great bloke in you know, a great place. you only, I think it was like, they were like 14 K from the pub or something.
1: Is that like Top Springs? Yeah,
0: yeah. 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 And they were really lovely to us there. They loved us there. I mean, we caused a bit of havoc, but they were really nice.
1: Better put in a plug right now just for, um, one of our most recent podcast guests, Olivia Thompson. Um, she's actually selling Top Springs pub. So Top Springs pub is for sale. No, she doesn't own it. She's an agent. Yeah. Okay. So anyone, if you're wanting to buy a pub, Top Springs Pub oh, great, is av- great, is available. Great and pub, and Slim it's got Dust, a pool. Slim Dusty's actually written a song about it. I heard it Has last he really? night. Yeah, he actually wrote a song about Top Springs Pub. So wow. I think it's called Top Springs or something. So
0: yeah, I think I spent a lot of my money there just quietly. Well, when you're fourteen k from it, I mean, you know, what's wrong with going up and buying a cart and half to work or whatever?
1: <laughs> at but, those prices, Jesus. Yeah,
0: well, but where else are you going to get them? Like, you, you, you're you still you're still a fair way from Catherine. How far is it from Catherine to Top Springs?
1: Oh, I don't know, but I know like Wave Hill to Catherine is like four and a bit hours. So I'd say it's about four and a bit hours. Then.
0: Yeah. So like. Cause it,
1: they'd be pretty, they'd be like neighbors or pretty close to each other or something.
0: Ah, uh, Monogini is not sure if it backs onto Wave. I'm not 100% sure because Monogini West and Monogini East, I'm pretty sure, cause it, they run on both sides of the road.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: And, um, I know Camfield backs onto Wave Hill. I know that, that's yeah. for sure. But, um, I don't think Monogini does. I'm not, um, but don't quote me on that. But yeah.
1: Oh, I will. It's quoted.
0: It is. So Monogini does.
1: No, 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 I'm just quoting you. Okay.
0: (laughs) Um, but yeah, so.
1: So you spent a bit of your time at the pub. Tell me about some of your adventures, I guess, either at the pub or at the station.
0: Um, look, we, um, so the camping out, I actually really, really loved it cooking on open fire and. And um sort of learn to stand on your own two feet really, because we didn't have a cook. We were sent out there just with um so someone had to cook every night, which was quite interesting. It was my first go at cooking really. You know, I didn't go too well, but I I went all right. And I learned a lot from um some of the older guys, which was really, really Don't good.
1: hold back. Tell me about your epic fails.
0: Oh, well one time I thought it'd be smart. Like, look, I oh, it was quite funny, like so I so I peeled the potatoes with the potato peeler, and then they're like, "Oh, well, you got to do the onions too." And I tried to use the the potato peel to peel the onions, and you know it was. And the vet was there, and he's like, "What the hell are you doing?" And I was just like, "Oh, I don't really know."
1: <laughs> and how would so, you would have been, like twenty two, twenty three, at this point I in was, time?
0: Yeah, I was twenty two.
1: And you'd never cut off an onion. No. Oh my god! Like I learnt things. A bit late, I reckon, but I, no, reckon I was I still I was put a cut up I was, onion. No, I was
0: proper late. Like I just had steak and vegetables. They were easy as a kid. Yeah. Very easy. Yeah. You can't go wrong with that. You know?
1: <laughs> oh, so everyone took a turn. Like I guess every. Yeah.
0: yeah. And I just, I'll never forget sort of our last camp out was the greatest thing. Um, they did a pig killer. Like some of us went. I think I went lick running. A
1: wild pig?
0: No, 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 no. They had domestic oh. pigs there. Okay. And they did a killer. And for the next, I think we went to camp for like three weeks for the last to, to finish off Spain. And, um, and we lived on pork chops. It was the greatest thing ever. how did you
1: go doing the killer? The,
0: had, of the pig. Yeah. I wasn't there. Oh, okay. I did a lick run. But, um, so you
1: just came back and this pig was hanging like dead and cut up. Yeah.
0: Well, obviously it was hanging, but then obviously we just, and we just had pork chops at camp. It was just, so it was no beef at that time, which is great. We just took out all these pork chops, which was, you know, it's different. It's
1: a bit of a luxury. Yeah.
0: Oh, it was unbelievable, but I suppose it was the last camp and, and you know, so I'll have to tell you a story. So we spayed all these cows and, um, we actually we had to walk them the next I think it was the next yeah, the next day. I mean, no, we did two days of spaying and then we walked them. Anyway, so we were walking them to Camfield and we actually got lost. Like and it was like forty degrees and there was like storms around us and it was coming into the wet season, like it was about now sort of thing, I think.
1: You got um, sorry, you got lost walking cattle. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, we we went to the wrong bore. It was the wrong bore, and it was before you know you had your events and maps and all that sort of stuff. Oh, I and guess
1: because nobody had been on the no, no well, one, well, no one no, really no, knew no, the property. Well, no one
0: knew the property, and we were walking the cattle next door to a paddock, which is a massive paddock next door. Anyway, we got lost.
1: So did you take them into the right paddock, just the wrong? Yeah, part? we're in the
0: yeah right paddock, wrong yeah. bore, and we couldn't find this bore. So anyway, we we're all perishing, had no water. No, nothing.
1: So the wrong ball that you took them to, was it not working? No,
0: no, the ball, we actually didn't get to the ball. So we got to, I don't know, we we're in the middle of this creek and, um, I remember, I'm not going to say who it was, but they were like, Oh, we'll, I don't know where we are. Anyway, there was a helicopter pilot. One of the pilots who did a bit of flying for us found us and the ball was actually sort of, I don't know, we we're about three kilometers the wrong way. So, it was just – so, we're all perishing, like, absolutely buggered, like, just – it was unbelievable. Anyway, so – but I'll never forget it. It was before you had – you know, I had a disposable camera, I think. It was before the phones and everything. I'll never forget it. Like, that country, that VrD country is so beautiful. And we came down – so, I'll never forget it. So, you're on top – we're on top of this – I suppose it'd be a jump-up sort of thing. And we're that high up that the helicopter – you could see the bore – and then the helicopter was down below you, like with the lead of the cattle. It was the most incre- – if I had had a photo for that, I think I'd be in a magazine for a very long time. It was the most unbelievable photo I've ever seen. So you can see the lead, you can see the boar, the turkey's nest and everything, and you're looking at the helicopter. So he's still in the air, still flying. It's the most picturesque country you've ever seen down there. That's the V.R.D. country.
1: Oh, so you must have also just been so relieved once oh. you got up there and you could see the boar you're actually going to.
0: You have no idea. So um, – I oh, know it's taboo. I don't know how they run these camps anymore, but it's taboo to have grog at camp. And our Stockholm was like, "You know what? It was the last, it was the last lot of stuff at camp, and um, he knew he'd like he's perishing everyone, so he went up to Top Springs. I think he got us eight beers each. It was, it was, it was pretty good. I
1: love his like you know what, you've almost all half perished today. You know, instead of giving you lots of like water and electrolytes to to rehydrate you, I'm going to go get you some beer, which will dehydrate you. Yeah,
0: 100%, but it was great and that was our last. I still have actually photos of it, you know, the negatives. and What what do
1: you call them? Yeah, negatives, yeah. Yeah,
0: no, but the actual photos. Yeah, prints, that's what you call them. Yeah, I've actually still got the prints of that camp somewhere, somewhere in Bondi. So oh, I actually, yeah, how did you I'd get
1: like to actually, So you can put them on the on our
0: Instagram. Yeah, I, I'd actually like to. Eh? like there's Prince of Bulls and and then us that day. And we took a photo that morning before we were leaving, <laughs> and then there's photos of us having a couple. It could of cold have been cans. the last
1: photo of all of you guys before what, you and what, perished. Well,
0: it could have been, but like I think that's the worst I've ever been to perishing, and but it was just because it was so hot, and we're all on quite young. Oh, some of us were on quite young horses, and it was just. Yeah, it's ridiculous.
1: It makes you wonder, though, like way back in the day, and way, way, way back for the history of time before you know there were maps, or someone in the in the group that knew had been knew that part of the world or that part of the country. Like when people were driving cattle or exploring or setting up these properties, how they this didn't happen more often. I mean, maybe it did, and we just don't hear we about probably it. Probably
0: did, but, but we've never heard about but, it. What oh.
1: was I was reading a book. About one of the families coming across from Queensland to the Kimberley, and I think it took them two years. Like they had a they were cattle. driving
0: cattle. They, yeah. they bought a place over in the, in the Kimberley. Over. Yeah, this is wow. like in the
1: I don't know, long, long time ago. And we
0: complain about stuff these days.
1: Yeah, this is like you know <laughs> old and olden days. And I think it took them two years to drove them across. And in the meantime, wow. they lost like half their horses and a bunch of their cattle and oh. all that kind of stuff. But Did imagine, anyone
0: die?
1: I don't. Well, I feel like
0: one hundred percent they would have.
1: Surely, I kind of remember to be honest what the book. Was, I don't know if it's maybe the family that went to, I don't even know what the book is now that I think about it. And I'm like, does that mean I've loaned it to someone? Um, <laughs> but I how say, would
0: they map that out with well, waters? And- well,
1: that's what I, that's what I'm just thinking. Like, I think it's the family that went to like Mabel, Texas, uh, and Alice Downs, like in the East Kimberley. But, yeah. yeah. How, when you're going like kind of in some like half uncharted, Barely charted territory. Like, how do you know when you're going to hit the next watering point or,
0: but it's still the same way. Cattle have got to drink. They got to eat. They got to, yeah. but you are doing it least here or wherever you are. You've got a Venza maps or all oh, this ball's just here and you just go for a quick drive.
1: And I mean, if you're going right across the top end, like there's heaps of waterways, but imagine if you didn't know and you just kind of walked across the barkley in the middle of the dry season. and good you know, luck to water- you. Yeah. <laughs> like, gosh, people would, were- yeah, have yeah, a much game, harder job mate. than us. So. Yeah. Yep, yep. Okay. So after Monoginny, my understanding is that you went back to the golf.
0: I went back to the, the golf. A
1: little ping pong. Yeah. Kind of little, zigzag. A little,
0: little, little bit of ping pong. I went back to the golf and I really, that time I went back to the golf, I really, really didn't enjoy it. And I actually, I just didn't, I wasn't feeling it. Anyway, I stayed till about oh, probably October, I'd say.
1: So that was a whole season.
0: Yeah, pretty well.
1: Yeah, so I'm and back.
0: Yeah. um, and and then I actually went home and drove trucks for a while for about five or six years.
1: So tell me about that year back in the Gulf and why you didn't enjoy it. And so it would have been your third year. Third year, year. Mm-hmm. I guess. Oh,
0: I I can't really put pin put why I didn't enjoy it, but it wasn't the same as my experience when I was there before. I suppose different people.
1: Is it, was it the same property?
0: Uh, no, just next, sort of just next door. Yeah. But same manager. Um, I just really, really just didn't enjoy it. I guess it, I just, I can't actually pinpoint what I didn't like, but I just wasn't happy. And then we go back to that happiness again. And yeah, I, I suffered a bit of depression there and stuff too, because I wasn't happy there. Yeah. It made it really, really hard. You know,
1: sometimes I think there isn't something specific that you can put your finger on or articulate why you're not happy somewhere like I've Worked on a handful of different stations, and I remember being on one, and I was only there two months. Wow! And then, and I was really unhappy. And when I left, I went back to a place I'd done two seasons at before, and it was like just walking in the door, being home again. Like very different stations, very different people, different operations. And but I know people that place I left that I wasn't happy at. They've had people stay there like six, seven, eight years, like, and it's their home, and like people been very happy there. So it's not that there's necessarily something wrong with the place. I think not at all. just it's about what matched. fits, but but yeah. it's about
0: what fits in for you. Yeah, I think too. Like if something doesn't fit you, I mean, you only get. I mean, you know, I don't think about this sort of stuff ever often, but you get one shot at this mm. life, and if you know why do something that you're not happy at, you know, like what what's the point? Yeah, like why you know getting up every day and not wanting to be somewhere? Why do it? It to makes yourself? it
1: worse. Like- <laughs> why do it to yourself?
0: Like. You know, I mean, but my personal experience is, I think you need to give things a go for at least two to three months. I, I think you, you must do that. I mean, it's you know, and and this industry, it is not for everyone. I can, and it's not, and you know, and I, I promise you that it's not for everyone. It's hot, it's hard.
1: I think everywhere's so different. Everywhere's different. Whereas if you're, I always use the example, like if you're a hairdresser and you apply for a job as a hairdresser, doesn't really matter too much where you go. There's going to be, it's going to be fairly consistent and similar. Whereas here, if you're like, Oh, I've worked on a property and then you go, I'm going to go work for a property here or there, or even within the same region, you know, gone to places next door to each other. It can be so, such a different experience.
0: Just a completely, yeah, just a completely different. Idea Different out- outlook on the way that they do things. That two too. to
1: three month thing that was, is interesting because I, I do agree and I think it's important. But then it's like, how do you know if like you need to just push through and things will come good, or if you're just kind of flogging a dead horse? Like I I guess when you said that, it made me think of. Hasn't been for a while, but when I used to go running and I used to do like ten k's, the first five k's—it's horrible—was just me in my head going, "I don't want to do this. I can't breathe. It hurts." hurts." Literally, my head would not shut up for that. And then Mm. the minute the little Nike app lady would go, "Congratulations, (laughs) five kilometers or whatever," which means she wouldn't have been talking in miles at the time, whatever. Mm. The minute that happened, I'd just be like. And then I could run the other 5Ks completely. Yeah. And you just, you
0: just do it easy. But I guess, but that's, I I think that's, that's up to you. Like no one can make that decision for you. Like that's completely up to you. Like Mm -hmm. whether you want to stay or you go or whatever. But I think you must do the two to three months. Like and, and I think that's in any job,
1: unless unless there's I should put oh, a caveat unless, unless they're like a psycho abusive or unsafe environment. Like, well, of then course, get the yeah. heck out of dodge. Yeah,
0: I'd, I'd be getting out of there pretty quick. But if you know everyone's really nice to you and things are okay, but it's just not right in your head, well. Yeah. I, it's, 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 that's actually a really, really hard question, Steph, because like, w- what do you say to someone? Like, and then if someone comes up and asks you and says, look, I'm not really feeling it here. I don't really want to be here, but then you know, you're going to be short staffed and it feels like you're leaving these people stranded and whatever else. But in saying that, you're sort of like, well, you've got to be happy too. Yeah. You know, you can't just stay somewhere because everyone wants you to stay. <laughs> hey,
1: yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't think there is any like single answer for that. And I think for me, it comes back to the idea of, yeah, do you need to stay and give it a bit of a chance? Or I guess at least you, I, I guess if you do, so yeah, with that caveat of as long as there's not, you know, any crazy, like anything unsafe or mm. or bullying or anything like that. Yeah. Well. Anything bad. But if it's, if it's just like not sure or not super happy, at least if you stay that two to three months, you can say I've given this a go. Given it a go. Eh? Whereas if you do leave earlier, then you will never know, and, and then you never know like, well, was I unhappy? That would this have come good if I'd stayed, or like like you with that first weekend at that job in the golf? Like if you would left when you oh, imagine to leave, I had a
0: left. Like yeah. I would never have come back. Here. Yeah.
1: But it could have also been that you stayed three months later being like, yeah, this still isn't for me and I'm going Well, then, but But at least least I'd know. At least you can kind of cross out and say that you've given it a –
0: It wasn't what it was for me and I didn't enjoy it. Because I've done
1: that with a job before and I was pretty unhappy and I probably should have stuck it out a little while longer. Was
0: that on a station?
1: Yeah. Oh, in America, yeah. In America. Yeah. Wow.
0: But see, then in saying that, like, the station life is very different because, you know, at least – You can have a break from people or whatever it is. If you have a job that you work nine to five in the city, where it's very different, like the station job where you got to go and eat dinner, you got to, you're constantly, you
1: can't escape. Can't, can't hide, mate. If you're feeling, if you've got any form of anxiety or if you feel like there's some kind of bullying in the camp or just if you feel like you don't fit in or for whatever reason, it's so much like it's amplified because you can't have that break, you can't, can't get hide. away from them. I
0: what? mean, your only break would be like to, Go and I don't know, sit in your I tiny suppose, little depressing go on, donger. Go and sit in There's your donger.
1: With fluoro lights, like with no windows.
0: Hey, you never know. might be nice. Some of my dongers sh- I've been in are beautiful.
1: No. <laughs> you don't like I dongers? I hate dongers with a passion. <laughs> Oh my god! Not
0: that bad. Come on! Feel like that's
1: half the problem. You reckon?
0: (laughs) What they're just just those four walls are just depressing. Come on, they've got en suites now. They didn't have them when I started. Yeah,
1: that you can walk in and maybe like turn around like (laughs) once in. Like I'd rather live in a share house with five other ringers than have my own donger and ensuite.
0: Yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: But then you definitely can't get away.
1: No, but at least you've got. You've got a kitchen, you've got a living room, you've got some yeah, space. Fair enough, fair you're enough. not just having to sit in this one tiny <laughs> box. Oh yeah, I hate on with passion. Um but okay, so you just weren't but you but you still stuck out the year. So
0: Oh I'd say I wouldn't say the whole year, but yeah, pretty well. But if you you'd yeah.
1: say like March to Octoberish, like that's still a pretty yeah. good
0: Oh no, I was there in like freaking um, yeah, I'd say March, yeah. March,
1: say so 3, October yeah. 10. So that's good six, seven months, maybe yeah. longer. Yeah. And, you know, the season usually finishes probably not too far after oh, October Oh, November, anyway.
0: December. Depends. And and then again, it depends, you know, we're still going in yeah. the season here. We've still got fly tagging to do. So yeah. depends where you are.
1: What – like how far into the season were you before you realised you weren't – yeah, you kind of, I guess, had that moment of I'm not happy here. Went
0: home. Like I usually – Except for this year, really, I usually go in the middle of a round, I'd go home for 10 days or go home for seven days.
1: As just like leave?
0: Just, uh, yeah, yeah, like take annual leave or whatever holiday pay or whatever you do. And it, I've always done it just to get off the place, mm-hmm. to get away. Yeah. Like, you know, you might miss a rodeo or something like that, but what's the big deal? You go home, see your family, see your mates in Sydney, like go surfing or whatever you yeah. do. And- um. And then I went home, and I actually had a what I have a I had a I had a doctor's appointment for my ADHD actually, and I had to go home. And then I took a bit of a holiday, and I just felt that I just wasn't feeling it. But who knows? Maybe if I hadn't have gone home, I probably just would have stayed.
1: How how far into the season do you think that was though? Like, is this at the start of the? Oh year no, and this middle? is June July. Okay, so about midway through. So yeah,
0: so set in between first and second round. I usually. I usually take a break. In
1: so, what made you stay until October? Then, why did you stay and Uh, not go earlier?
0: I don't know. I guess feeling of not letting people down. I guess, yeah. Or you know, not. Yeah, just yeah. I don't know.
1: So when when the time came to leave in October, where was your head at? What were you thinking you were going to do next?
0: Look, I had no idea what I was going to do. Like I, I, I literally had no idea. I think I went, what did I do? I actually went, I don't know. I think I went and, um, oh, I'm trying to think. I did, I went and had a holiday for a bit and went surfing for a while because obviously I had a bit of money. And then I was thinking of going and doing a lot more stuff with horses. So I tried to get a job doing that, but that didn't, that sort of fell through. So, I was working for one of my dad's mates, just laboring and stuff and t- for the rest of the year. And then after that, and I was happy, I was surfing, I was, I was training really, really hard, got back into the gym and got back in my health. Cause I was drinking a lot when I was in the golf in that third year. Like I'd really like every day I was, you know, having six to eight cans and Jesus. Yeah. It's not, it's not too good, <laughs> you know, and I sort of, I still sort of. Do that to this day. Have about five or six beers a night, and I should really cut that down. But um, that's another story. <laughs> um, but um, yeah. So I I sort of did that, and and then, but the following year, I um, think it was it, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the following year. I actually went and drove concrete trucks for a while. Yeah, in Sydney, which was big pretty, change. Oh yeah, frightening though. Like you don't want to hit a letterbox or people pull out in front of you and you know, you're in a big truck.
1: You're not dodging Mickey bulls anymore. You're no, dodging just dodging little, just, just, just,
0: gets just, just, yeah, gets or Camrys or, you know, not trying to crush them. So I did that for five years, but still dabbled in the industry, obviously, cause I was still going up and branding my uncle's calves and doing all that stuff. So I still had the passion and the drive to be in it.
1: Oh, so we've sorry. actually just paused the podcast for about five minutes to draw out the last 15 years of Chico's life on a piece of paper and write down where he's been. Like I've written down the years from 2008 to 2022 and then what age you'd be next to him. Cause we realized we were missing a few years in there, but anyway, we'll go have back. Have now, we worked it out. I think we've worked it out. Are you out- sure? I don't know. I
0: don't know.
1: <laughs> but so, so after, so you were, you, so, Episode one, you're in the Gulf. Yep. Episode two, which is what we're in now. Yep. You've gone from the Gulf to Montigny in the yep. territory. Come back to the Gulf to work at a property called Camillaroy. And that's where you and we're not saying it's got anything to do with the property, but that's, you know, by that time you just weren't happy. So I think I'd gotten to asking you, yeah, what your where your head was at, what you're planning to do, and you'd said you'd gone back to Sydney and you started driving concrete trucks. Yes. Which we've worked out you ended up doing for about six or seven years. Yeah. Th-
0: and, and that's, that's right on. Yeah.
1: But during that time, you'd still go up to that cotton farm in your family. To um,
0: go- more, more, so the cotton farm had been, so, I hadn't been sold, but it had a manager on it. Yep. Some other uncle, he'd left and he went, actually got into mining and, um, yeah, which a lot of fellas do. And then, um, and I'd go up to mum's sort of extended family there at Ebor Armadale, where I actually said, if it doesn't rain every afternoon, they think they're in drought. Yeah. 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 So shout out to them too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you'd go to a family property or extended family property, yep. which had cattle, all you-
0: cattle. And they, I think they, I think they dabbled in sheep, but not more so cattle. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yep. And so that's how you kind of kept your finger. I just in.
0: kept my foot in the door, you know. And um I always really, really enjoyed it and especially there it's the most I don't know if some people would know about Armadale and Ebor, but it's the most beautiful country you've ever seen in your life like
1: seven years driving trucks, so that was all in Sydney.
0: Yeah, all in Sydney. yeah.
1: How do you like I guess in the first episode, we kind of, you know, you grew up in Sydney. You're a very like surfy water baby, but you said you always kind of had this yearning to go bush and to be like the country kid and a bit of a cowboy, yep. which is what led you to going out and working on stations. You go and have these experiences, but then how do you, how did you go in that seven years? Were you kind of wanting to get back into it or were you happy? Always wanting, always
0: wanting to get back into it. And we've never really been happy in Sydney, but I just stayed because I had a job. And it was comfortable. Um, I got an apartment there. It was it was just easy. Do you know what I mean? You know, when life's just easy and you just do what you gotta do and you just sort of you just keep going. Going
1: through the motions?
0: Yeah, literally. Li- literally, just going through the motions and not and just, you know, it was easy. I had a lot of mates at the trek- trucking yard, good blokes and and yeah, it was just I just kept going, really. I didn't really think about that time in the bush, but I always wanted to go back.
1: Kind of, it's kind of scary to think about just going through the motions for seven years, though. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying that you didn't no. live during that time or have fun. Or oh, I mean, I had a ball. I mean, like, I bought my
0: first Harley Davidson and all that sort of stuff. So I was actually having a lot of fun, you know, but, um, you know, the midlife crisis, Harley Davidson only 35, so I don't know how it's midlife, but, you know, but yeah, so I had a lot of fun though. But yeah, it was just like you were just in a job and you just did your job.
1: Just, just doing I mean, things. But I didn't,
0: but I didn't mind it. It's not like I didn't like the job and it paid really well and it was, it was, it was really fun, but I always had that yearning to come back.
1: So how did you, I guess what led you to actually biting the bullet and coming back?
0: Uh, well, well, each year I'd go to the Easter show, like every sort of New South Wales country person. I suppose some of them don't, but, does and I always used to go there and scratch the bulls and go and have a look at the cattle and and then it just and then you know you go to the road there's a big rodeo there and um yeah that's what got me yearning and then I spoke to a mate and I said to him oh I'd like to go on the road <laughs> and he's like Are you sure and I'm like yeah yeah why not I'll give it a go and um, this bloke actually he worked in the gulf so I knew him from the gulf and they arranged me to go on the road with um two girls.
1: What, sorry, can you just for the. Sorry, people go driving? Okay, sorry. I was about to yeah, say, sorry, like, I knew road. what you were talking about, yeah. but I can imagine the listeners being like. just,
0: just walking along you, the road. Yeah. yeah.
1: What are you doing? Cool. Yeah. So you went droving. Yeah, yeah. Tell me, what, I guess, where'd you start? Where'd
0: started, you start? Uh, started
1: Isisford.
0: Where's that? So Isis Downs, which is. Ospers. near Blackhall, it's, isn't it? Yeah, Longreach Way. Longreach Blackhall, yeah. Yeah. And then. We picked up a mob heifers and walked them, um, down into, up to Winton, down to the Diamantinas and then back.
1: And then back to Isisford.
0: Uh, I left them, um, before we headed back, but yeah.
1: So it wasn't like a one way trip. It was,
0: no, no, it wasn't. Just- yeah. So the place at Isisford, they didn't have any, they didn't have any feed. It was d- during that drought time. Mm-hmm. Where everyone was sort of really doing it tough and I suppose everyone, and there are a lot of cattle on the road, like we passed several mobs and yeah, so it was like you sort of waved at the other people and they, they were going back that way and you were going this way.
1: And so how long of that journey were you there for?
0: I was there for about, I think it was about five months, five or six months or something.
1: Five months Four living or five on the months. Road. Yeah.
0: I'm not, I'm not 100% sure exactly. I can't put my name. All right. I want was, to know
1: all about it. Tell me everything from where to go.
0: So, um, I went to Charterville and met, um, the boss drover and jumped in a car with her. And she was like, Oh, well, we got to go and get these horses. She had her horses on the common of Charterville. We then packed up all our stuff headed for and headed for Isisford in a truck. And we stopped at, I think it was Blackhall to get diesel and fuel. And, and then we ended up at Isisford that night and. Yeah, that was it. We sort of – and then we had to sort of get our mob together. So it took a while because I think it was two or 3,000 Brahmins. I'm not a 100% sure. I can't remember off the top of my head. But, yeah, so just heifers. So it was really nice. We didn't have cow and calf or anything, so they just walked out. It was great. I think we had about six or seven dogs and about 12 or 15 horses, I'm pretty sure.
1: Like with people on them? or No, 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 no.
0: There was only three of us. Wow. And um and yeah, but by the time as people know, by the time you educate cattle, they're really educated and that you know, you have one in the lead and we had a fence most of the way, which was which was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. But, so
1: you're just walking down like the highway? Yeah, or?
0: some of it. Yeah, some of it you were so in between what's that little town, you got Long Reach and then you got um oh uh, before before Long Reach, if you're coming from the East. What's that little town? Ilfracombe, is it?
1: I don't know. I, don't I know. literally drove that road last year as well, but oh, I don't. Come on, mate. There's too many towns in here. Yeah, Wendland. there's there's
0: heaps. Anyway, so yeah, th- that way you're along the you're along the um you're along the along the highway, but then there's all these sort of you go around the outskirts of towns. You don't actually. Go through the town, except for Isisford, we actually went through the town. There's, there were photos and all sorts of things. Dawn Bailey actually took a heap of photos. So shout out to her. She, she, she takes a lot of photos. She's really lovely, really lovely older lady. Yeah.
1: So you and two other people, your yep. dogs and horses.
0: Yeah. But we had, um, we had, so her partner would come every now and then on the weekends and he was a really good stockman. So he'd come and give us a hand, which is a lot of fun. So yeah. did
1: it remind you, I guess, of being, because you would have obviously camped out the yep. entire time, yep. so I guess it did that kind of take you back to monogeny days. Yeah,
0: big time. But it was freezing. Like we're talking, like absolutely freezing. I remember one night we we actually listened to the state of, like we had no TV, no nothing. We listened to the state of origin on the wireless of a of a car. It was like you know nothing. Like you know, get up, no breakfast, just have a tea and go. So you got to be sort of on the road by sort of five thirty. And then you sort of put the cattle to bed at five o'clock. Yeah. So you, and you put them in just a tape, you know. So they do break out of the tape.
1: Oh, okay. And so time. when you say tape, it's, it's an electric tape. Yeah, like tape. electrical
0: tape. Yeah. So if yeah. you put, you know, a thousand or a few thousand in a freaking tape, you know, something could happen. You never know. I remember one night they galloped back like I think it was like eight k or something back back to where we um back to where we sort of hadn't started, but they were heading. it's like they were heading home. <laughs> So we didn't get much sleep that night.
1: They're like, but yeah. yeah, we don't really want to do this anymore. See bye.
0: Yeah, yeah, literally like, but anything could happen like they could get spooked or anything. So I've woken up completely nude and like there's just cattle going everywhere and no one else is awake and I've woken up um, so I had to walk around the front of the truck and wake up the girl who I was working for completely nude. And I was like, sorry, look, I got no pants on, but the cattle are everywhere. The mooing was incredible. The, the dogs didn't even bark like nothing. Like,
1: wouldn't you think to go to sleep with some clothes on Chico? Like, yeah, we've had, um, I think it was <laughs> one of our podcast guests from. Tony Williams from South Australia, he was telling stories from back in the 70s working yep. around like Northern, South Australia and they would mm. go to sleep and like be like watching over a mob like while they were mustering Yeah, like that. And they'd go to sleep in their clothes because if something spooked the cattle in the middle of the night, you'd have to get up and jump on your horse and it was like a race to who could saddle up and get on their horse fastest. Yeah. And he tells the story of this one guy – I think he might have been naked though. I can't remember. And he was on this horse, and he was just like running bareback, chasing all these cattle. And wow! But wouldn't you? I think he yeah. was, he prepared though. He went to bed with some pants yeah, on. Yeah, like wouldn't and you- well,
0: I never did that again. Oh, okay. So that that was the first and last time I slept with. I had a shirt on, but I had no pants on. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wouldn't I know. You
1: normally do it the other way. Right? Yeah,
0: I know. It sounds absolutely ridiculous. But then it got so cold that you were. Wearing the Kaha jacket and your jeans and your socks and your work clothes (laughs) for the next day because it was – I don't know. That's what I always did. Anyone knows it's freezing. Anywhere in the desert
1: that I've worked and when I've camped out, like after you have a shower that night, I put on all my clothes for the next day minus a belt and go to sleep in like a sports bra and jeans and everything else you need because I I don't do well in the cold. So waking up in the morning when you – I can't – like, I don't function Like in the – like, I yeah, have to right have, wake up. up and have a hot shower. Like, I just can't – I'm like, well, I won't get out of bed. Do so. you?
0: So, you shower before work every day? Do, do you oh, not, two- uh, not up
1: here. Like, I, I have, do. I have cold showers up here. See,
0: I shower – like, my missus finds it really weird, but I'll shower before breakfast.
1: Yeah, I use, I, I'm a morning shower person. But and i do not. Yeah. I, don't,
0: I don't know. I wonder if there's any more, like, guys that do what we do that shower before breakfast. I don't think there's many of them.
1: No, I don't People know. just
0: wash their face and yeah. have a wash and –
1: I love a morning yeah. shower. Oh,
0: it's the best thing in the world.
1: But I, I can't, yeah, if, if it can't, when you'd have to wake up and get dressed, like when it's cold, I just, even though I would, I'll gin around and be like, mm-hmm, when you could just be like, bam, 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 and get dressed real quick. And I just won't do it. I'll just whine. Fucking totally yeah. Cold. No. Anyway. So, okay. So, um, you learn, and so this is only 2019 as well, by the way, that you're doing this driving. So it's not like it was way back in No, it's, the it's old not, days. it's not
0: a lifetime ago. No. no.
1: But do you, do you wear, if you're out camping now, do you wear pants when you go to, I shouldn't have asked that. Let's just get
0: that question. Um,
1: I don't want to know. I
0: haven't camped out for a while. So who knows? Okay. <laughs> shouldn't ask me that. It
1: just took a turn. Yeah. What's happened to my Sunday guys? Jesus. Yeah. Okay. I've wrecked it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Gosh, um, <laughs> I'm like, how do I get back on track? So, what happened? Did you? So, you wake her up? Did you guys have to saddle up? And yeah, no,
0: um we just jumped on the bikes, eh? Yeah, and we oh, brought, so we.
1: Okay, so you had bikes? Yeah, we houses. had
0: bikes too, and we 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 got them all back. But but then you got to remember. So by the time we actually got them all back, it was like three thirty in the morning. You got to be up at five. So, you go back to sleep and suddenly the alarm goes off Aww. and we're going again because you have to do that quota each day, apparently.
1: Oh, yeah. Because we've
0: got to remember, too, that there's people behind you coming yeah, and you'd, you'd have to allow probably, I don't know what it is, but a few days in case something happened or something like that. And there are actually rangers on the road that come and see you. Really? Like, yeah, yeah, like full on. Like I remember there was a lady that used to come and see us and- you know, and and sort of help you map out your water points because you you give them water every day yeah,
1: along well, that stocker. I route. heard they need that otherwise they die. Yeah, know? probably it's probably
0: yeah, yeah it's good. Mm. But then some people who do droving, they take a water truck with them. Uh huh. Yeah. Pro- okay. Yeah. With their own. Yeah. But we actually had water points along the along the road.
1: That's probably. I guess the other thing about. Droving, or I mean, this is with many jobs, but like you can't really pull a, and same on a station. Like you can't really pull a sickie. and you can't be, you know, like there are some days where if you've got certain jobs and you're like, oh, I'm just gonna keep hitting snooze on the alarm, and no, you can Eventually, not, like you can't on this. Not, kind of thing. not,
0: not with the droving thing. You can't. You, you, actually just have to keep going. You're
1: committed working literally full time for yeah, five months. Yeah, like, and, and it is
0: like the only sort of break we sort of got, um, that people sort of get when they do it is if you. On like the town common for a weekend, you might stay there for a weekend. So,
1: what's a town common? I think it's.
0: I don't even really know what they are. I actually had a horse. I've got a horse here that's. He's actually from a town common, but it's sort of like where people can leave their cattle and their horses if you live in the town.
1: Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. You, yeah. You, yeah.
0: You, like a lot of those Queensland towns have them.
1: That's so, like a big shared paddock.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a it's like a share paddock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No judgment. Yeah. Well, you know, I suppose if you wanted to have the kids horses or something and you're in town and just put them out in the common, I suppose. But it's probably an olden days thing, wouldn't it be? Would you think? I don't
1: know. I don't know. I know there's, but I think you have to pay, you have to pay money though. Yeah. There's something like that in Canada as well. I'm pretty
0: sure. Yeah. You've got to pay money and you pay to have your cattle there or your horses there. And yeah. So that's sort of the only break you really get
1: now, you know. At this point, when you came driving in 2019, you'd last been on a station, let's see, 2010, I want to say, yeah. yep. up in the Gulf. And like you said, during this truck driving time, you'd been going to the extended family property and working mm-hmm. cattle. Had you been riding horses in that time though?
0: No, they don't ride horses there.
1: Yeah. So, so, you're, yeah, back on horse again. Yeah. After what, seven, eight years off. Yeah, off yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. and then you're on a horse pretty I was much sore. every day for five months. Yeah. That's, that's what I was Yeah. At. I was, I
0: was, ex- I was extremely sore. Um, but lucky I had a, I got a good saddle. So, um, it wasn't too bad, but it was, it wasn't great. I walk, put, I couldn't walk, put it that way. Yeah. Couldn't walk.
1: <laughs> you literally had to let the horse walk for you.
0: Oh, well, by the end of like just, just was just my legs were just, just dead. <laughs>
1: How did it feel being back out doing that kind of work again?
0: Was the greatest thing in the world. Yeah, I had so much fun. It was, it was just, you know, it was really, really, really good.
1: You did this driving trip in 2019. Yep. We all know what happened in 2020.
0: Yeah, it was um the thing that changed the world.
1: So you just you just kind of put your your toe back in the water of industry, yep. being like. I'm ready to get back in. I'm ready to do um, it. I
0: didn't know if I was ready to get back in, but I was just ready to do something with the cattle again, with cattle and horses yeah. again. Yeah.
1: So then I guess before COVID hit, what was your plans for 2020?
0: Just to keep driving trucks, I guess, and um, and um just surf a lot more and um just really just keep doing what I was doing because I didn't – no, if I wanted to go back into the camps again, I, I had no – I suppose I, I thought I was a bit too old for it, really. I would no sort of hesitation in really – I didn't even think about going back into the camps again. I just wanted to do that stint and then, then I went back and kept driving trucks. But obviously COVID threw a spanner in everyone's works except the cattle industry, really. I mean, you could have got a job on a station, couldn't you?
1: Yeah, I it was definitely hairy there for a minute, but yeah. no matter what was happening around the rest of the country, the cattle yeah. still, that works yeah, well, to you, be done. Yeah, the cattle
0: work still had to be done. You still had to brand winners, you, still had to, you still had to do everything.
1: I know in the last episode you mentioned like you're very passionate about the subject of mental health. Massive. And we well, obviously talked about it, you know, some of your anxiety, yep. and panic attacks when you first went and worked out on stations. But I know you said things got really bad further down the track when, when COVID hit
0: shocking for me like it just you know because obviously my anxiety is about death like oh. um it's about health it's health related yeah so can you imagine like you you're watching the news and you're watching everything and you're in all these third world countries and you're seeing all these people dying and suddenly the the rates are getting higher and higher here so you yeah, I was freaking out. Like, I'd spent time in my room. I spent – there were times where I'd spend days in my room, eh? Because obviously the trucking industry sort of stopped because, well, that that sort of, you know, building sites and things like that, you know, you couldn't have people around there, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah.
1: So how do you, I guess – I mean, COVID – I don't even know when we draw the line in the sand to say it kind of finished because really it's still going.
0: Is it? I haven't heard anything. Well, well, I don't really watch the news or
1: anything. WA so- only finished its state of emergency like a couple of weeks ago and officially same with the territory, I'm pretty sure. So wow. there was still like hardly any restrictions, but it was still, you know, the, the declared like, the legislation. Did,
0: sorry, but I did hear that Queensland was bringing back in masks or
1: something. Mate, like, who knows? But, yeah. But the, when the state of emergencies were declared, like that's legislation that was put in place like okay. so that – there were, you know, consequences if there were people breaking whatever rules.
0: Yeah, your rules.
1: But yes, I don't know when we say it finished or it didn't finish, but Mm. you were you stuck in Sydney that entire Um, time? No.
0: So stuck in Sydney for a while and then me and my mum, because obviously I wasn't working, because obviously, you know, me and my mum actually, my parents, it's a family holiday house Mm -hmm. and we headed up there to sort of get away.
1: Whereabouts was that, Um,
0: So Hawks Nest on the, on the Hawkesbury River. I was going
1: to smile and nod. Yeah. Yeah. I know you what know exactly is. where that is. And, um, <laughs> yeah. So, new, you know, Newcastle? Vaguely.
0: Gee, <laughs> Steph, come on. An hour. So it's about an hour north of Newcastle. Okay. Yeah. So we stayed there for a while. Yeah, during COVID. But it got really bad for me because I, I suppose I dabbled in alcohol with it because I felt like I didn't feel normal and I thought, oh, I've got, remember how we talked about you think you had a pain in your gut and you had like. Cancer or something like mm-hmm. that, but I'd think I'd have a sore throat or something like that. So I um I drank a lot to feel normal. Of an afternoon, I'd be cracking beers and you know, which is not a good thing at all for someone with anxiety because it because if as we talked about before, remember you get a hangover, well, it gives anxiety, you more anxiety, Hang- yep. anxiety, exactly. Mm-hmm. So that that was sort of a bad time, and I'd sort of dro- I'd sort of go for a drive and sort of hide it from my mum. Like I'd go and I was sort of closet drinking, which is yeah, that's that's not good. <laughs> like I'd go for a drive and then go down the beach and get a six pack and sit there and drink it and then come home and pretend I hadn't had any beer and then have another beer at home, you know, to and it was actually to feel normal.
1: <laughs> I was drinking. To I feel do that normal. with chocolate.
0: <laughs> well, oh my missus is the same.
1: Oh my god. I know, I know it's I know it's not the same, but I will I do that with food. sometimes. Yeah, like, like
0: and and it was and I yeah, I, I mean, I got I got myself out of it, but it wasn't – that's not a good thing.
1: So how – I mean, you're obviously speaking on it now. You've had time to reflect on it and, yeah, and I process never, it. And
0: actually, when you talk about it, I'm actually coming out and telling you this. I've never told anybody this.
1: Oh, well, thank you for yeah, sharing. Yeah, no, well,
0: you might as well put it on because it's part of my life, and if I can help somebody else. That's the thing. There's going to be
1: someone listening out there yeah. who will take something away from Well, literally, from I was this.
0: drinking to feel normal, and that's – that's not okay.
1: So when did you, obviously that's not what you're doing now, when did that point in time come where you were like, I've got to stop doing this, something's going to change? Or, because or, And you got help as well at some point?
0: Yeah, I actually seeked counselling um, from an organisation that was called Men's Stuff. And I don't know, counselling's not for everyone, but this guy that I named Douglas, his name is, I can't remember his last name, but um, he actually, because of the way that everything was, he actually gave me this service for free because he was sort of at home. Everyone was during that full-on lockdown, you know, Mm. and he was at home, not obviously as a counsellor, you've got to be out obviously with each other face-to-face, or you probably don't, but it's probably best to be in a room face-to-face. And I was getting counselling once a week from him and he really stemmed and helped me get out of it.
1: Tell me about the lead up to actually reaching out for help though. Like, How did you often, I think- There's usually other people involved, or sometimes people end up at counselling, like kicking and screaming. Like it's, I guess. I guess interesting that you've kind of taken the initiative yourself. Oh, as as
0: I said to you, like I've had ADHD all my life, so I've obviously, you know, we used to go to family counselling stuff, me and my parents, you know, as a kid because I was pretty out of control.
1: My family had to go to therapy because of me. Yeah,
0: therapy. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't your normal average kid. eh? like I was. You know, I was wild. Like, yeah, I was naughty, and I got expelled from a couple of schools. And yeah. you didn't was,
1: tell us that. In no, well, of.
0: you know, I, I didn't want to tell you that part. I was—I'm an angel, you know. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you know, I got expelled from a fair few schools, and I was pretty—I was pretty out of control. So that family, that counselling thing, has been normal for me. Whereas some people, they'd be terrified to go and speak yeah, to someone about okay. their problems. Me, I don't care. Yeah. You know.
1: That's, that's amazing though. That's great that you were able to grow up with such a normalized understanding and, mm. and feeling about talking through your problems with someone else at the third party. Yeah. And that it isn't this big taboo kind of shame thing because that's, well, I think at what the end, it end it of the day, so like they,
0: they they have a duty of care and they can't go and tell people what your problems are. You can tell them anything. It was great speaking of that guy used to swear and. Everything and he'd just start laughing and be like, you just can't say that, to you but, but then he'd swear back at times and it was just, it was actually called men's stuff. So it was a, it was for just for young men who struggled with things. Yeah. And it was really, really good.
1: And so was that during 2020?
0: That was during 2020. Yeah. yeah. I saw him during 2020 and maybe a bit, maybe it started during 2019, but I just remember I used to go to a place in the city and I had a really good burger joint. Next to it. So I'd go to counseling, have a big vent to this Douglas fella and then have burgers after, you know, and sometimes he'd come down and have a burger with you. So it was, um, it, it was really, really good.
1: That's, uh, yeah, I know I've said that just now, but I just, I think it's really great that you were able to, to recognize that you needed it and that you had already had the, I don't know, whatever in place from your childhood to know yep. that it's okay to go and get help and where to look for help and, yeah. And to go and do it. Like, that's oh, incredible.
0: I, I think it's, I think, like, if if it's not going to work at home, we all talk about this macho, bacho thing, but if you're doing things that are going to impact your life, like drinking because you want to feel normal or doing stupid things because you want to feel normal, well, that's not right. You know, that's not how you li- That's not how, I mean, you can live your life like that if you want, but it's going to impact you later in life. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I just really seek help for it. and. I got the best help and advice I could get, and I sort of got myself out of it. I mean, I, I do have a couple of cans every now and then, every night, I suppose, But and you probably shouldn't do it, but, you know, it's not like I'm doing it to feel normal. I'm doing it because I've had a big day at work or whatever, you know?
1: But you're – I guess the thing is you're aware of it. Oh, 100% I'm aware of it. And that's the first step, like yeah. you're not saying everything. Yeah, like you're aware no, of it. So, Yeah. Um, in 2021, which – it was only last year, you yep. managed to make your way back out to work on stations again. I did, I did. So, again, I mean, COVID was still going, but, yeah, you managed to find a way back out, which is amazing, and you went to a whole different part of the whole country. A whole different
0: part of the country. So I looked for jobs and then I got a job on Dury Station, which is a Kidman place, and um, it was actually with a, f- a girl who'd worked with my partner. They'd worked together in the Kimberleys. But her partner was running the place, Dean Hurley. Now, the boy. boys, like my brother, him and Joel, give them a shout out. Joel's used to fly helicopters and, um, Dean, they're down there working for Pack Saddle, I think it is, um, running a couple of blocks for them. So it was, um, yeah, I had an amazing time with them.
1: Yeah, what my, was the job? Like, well, I mean, was it as a station hand? Yeah,
0: same, same thing as okay. a station hand.
1: So this is last year. Is you last would have year. been 33, yep. turning 34. Yeah. So that's something I'd like to talk to you about. Because anyone okay. who's listened to this podcast since day one will know that um I get a bit passionate about this, <laughs> and it's kind of like going into what we were saying before about whether or not you stay somewhere forever or move every couple of years or whatever. But one of my gripes, I guess, with industry is that it's very much people complain about the high turnover of staff and not being able to keep staff, but they also yep. go and try and recruit staff out of boarding school and, like, you're kind of used by the age you get to 21, 22. Like, yep. you're, you're expired. Yeah. Um, and if you're not going on to be a manager a Headstock stockman after that, like, there's no place for you really. Yep. So you're 34, th- 33, 34, going back into the camp, which yeah. is pretty – like, it's not heard of really. Isn't it, isn't it really? It really isn't. Like – I, not, there's a few places that have permanent full-time staff, but even then they're kind of more, yeah. So I think I've got to, I've got to update my list now, but I think I'm at about 115 stations that I've visited. And Um, there would be
0: no one that would be 33, 34.
1: There's no, there'd be like. There might be, but it's very rare. Like your camps yep. are usually Well, 20 like
0: twenty. Eighteen 21. to
1: say maybe maybe twenty-five, but even then that's maybe someone having a bit of a midlife crisis or whatever. Or it's and then crisis. and then you're always going on to be like leading hand, head stockman, yep. manager, your bore runners and your greater drivers bless their cotton socks are always like scary old men. Usually Oh Cr- oh cranky. Yeah. Or, cre- yeah. or creepy. creepy. Um <laughs> and your cooks are
0: Cooks are however, though. Someone yeah, cooks they are. Young.
1: Yeah, but usually they're old and scary. and
0: Yeah, they can be old well, and scary cray-cray. too.
1: Yeah. So there just isn't many. I mean, I know a few people we were talking um, about some friends down in Central Australia before, yes. and, but they're kind of station hand slash – but they're permanent full time. They've been there for years. They'll stay yeah. there for years. So they're not like in that kind of shit kicker. Like they have a fair bit of responsibility and yeah. they're permanent full time staff. So yeah, exactly. as a, there's just hardly any. And, and it's interesting. I had a chat to, um, so Matt Wood's been on the podcast yep. a couple times, um, with his wife Connie and. I well, Casey,
0: my partner, used to work, work for him. Yeah, yeah. such a yeah. small
1: world. And I, I had a yarn to him about that once because he's one of the people that is like, you know, work for someone for a couple of years and they need to go and learn from someone yeah. else. Yeah, he'd be
0: amazing to work for too. He would just quietly. Oh, yeah. just you
1: know, anyone. Jumbuck dot. Com. dot au. Jump up's an amazing company. You can get in under well under any of their managers. To be honest, they've yeah. all got amazing reputations. Yeah, apparently they're
0: fantastic. They are. Good. Kalani's another one. Apparently, people speak very very highly of.
1: Yep. Yeah. And the guy that's been there has just moved back to Bliner and the Kimberley. So if you get under Matt Wood or Jamie Larison, Troy Haslett, I think Michael Stanley's at Kalani. He's yeah. stepped up to manage that Kalani no, now. Even yeah. um Jimmy Wood down at Rolina on the on the. Nullabore. Sorry to the rest of the jungle managers. I don't know your names or where you are, but I know those five and they're, you know, have yeah. great reputation. Yeah, apparently
0: they, yeah, especially, especially Matt, I've heard yeah. nothing but amazing things about him.
1: But I asked him in actually the station sticky beak episode on our other podcast, Cuddle Station Classroom, you know, what do you think about staff? Do you expect them to stay? Do you, do you want someone to stay in the camp seven, eight, nine years, you know, be in their thirties or whatever? And he said, no, he doesn't expect that because, um, you know, you've got to stay somewhere for a certain amount of time and you've got to go learn from someone else. But yes. also this industry, which is what I think isn't built for it, it isn't set up, like you don't have accommodation for, um, you know, at that age in your life, you're 33, 34, you're well, probably more comfortable living in a house than a dongle. You might have a partner. You might want
0: kids. Well, you, exactly. you might have
1: pets. You, you've you yeah. got, you're that older that you might want to have a few pictures on the wall and exactly. have a bit of a life have versus a a when life. you're just kind of on a gap year or two traveling. Yeah. You know, you've got no baggage when you're 18, yeah. 19.
0: Like, and as I, as I said, like it was different when I got to Doery. Um, I was living with the greater driver and we had our own space. Oh, like, okay. We had our, own, sh- our sh- own shower and toilet. We had a double bed. We had – I mean, it was still your four walls. Poor Steph. Yeah. Still your four walls, but it was more of a – I suppose they gave you – because you're older, they gave you more of a – A
1: little bit more comfortable. A, a bit,
0: a bit, yeah, a lot more comfortable. You know, the, the men's huts were well up over there or the dongers, sorry. My missus yeah. would get angry at me for saying the men's huts. I call it the men's huts. They were over there.
1: The gender and, neutral huts.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then we were sort of, we were pictured, we were sort of, you know, in the main compound, and you know, and there was me and an older fellow, which was really, really good. Yeah, and we sort of, you know, took it in turns to clean the, clean the donga once a week, and all so sort was of our it like a –
1: was it, did it have like a little living room kitchen? Yeah. So there were two rooms on, oh, on opposite ends. And then yeah, in the middle was yeah. like the little living room. Yeah. Kitchen. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah. And that,
0: and it was really, really good. It was, it was different to just having a donga, you know, and a shared toilet, you know, and, yeah.
1: yeah. So, okay. So you had a little bit more sustainable living. Oh,
0: it was, it was fantastic. I actually loved it there. It was very, very dry time though. We, um, we did some really, really hard days down there because obviously the channel country now, it's unbelievable. Birdsville and all that. Yeah. But when we were down there last year in that Birdsville area, it was very, very, especially this place. It was very, very dry. It was very hard going. Yeah. Um, we walked some cattle very, very long ways and did some big days on motorbikes, put it that way, but it was, it was amazing, especially working for Dean and, and Shelby. They were, um, the most amazing people and they were a young couple. They were just like, they would have done anything for you if you're on the place for them and you worked hard, you know, so they were really, really good.
1: Were they younger than you? Yeah. Yeah. So how, how does yeah. that work? How do you feel about that?
0: But remember we spoke about this, Steph, when we first chatted mm-hmm. and it's not until someone like you or – well, you, 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 I'll be honest with you, are the only person that's actually brought that up. <laughs> that's
1: cause I'm a bitter old twisted, like,
0: bush you know, cow. And, and imagine someone said to you, well, look at you, Chica, you've done nothing in your life. <gasps>
1: that's not what I'm no, saying. No, 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 no. But
0: like, like you could imagine someone going, look at you, Chica, you've done nothing in your life. You're still in camps and you're 35. Like, what is wrong with you? But we go back to the saying, you've got to be happy. And I enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um,
1: no, and I think it's, that's why I love having you on the show because yeah. to show that you can, that if you, if you don't want to be a head stockman or a manager or nope. whatever, nope. or maybe just not until later on in life, like yeah. it's okay if you want to be oh, 35 there's, in the there, camp. There is
0: nothing wrong with it, but you've got to remember too, that when you are 35 in the camp, everything hurts. <laughs> oh, it does. Like there were times there where I'd walk into my missus <laughs> and she'd be like, what's wrong with you? And I'd be like, "What do you think? <laughs> you know what I mean? Everything hurts. <laughs> I don't lie. Like you, you think you're 21, but you're not. <laughs> it hurts.
1: Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, climbing over
0: rails and getting rubbed up like it hurts. <laughs> but I mean, you just keep going, don't you?
1: That is actually brilliant. I got my first bad knee. Like it really, uh, gotten like bad around be, August this year, and I that's yeah. the eldest I've ever felt, and I was like. Is this no. what I thought? And I started freaking out. I've actually
0: out. been really, really lucky because obviously I played a lot of sport when I was younger and I think that's kept me into really good stead with my body. I mean, I've snapped three Achilles tendons, but, you know, everyone does that. No, they mm. don't. But, like, I think that's kept me in really good stead, being physically fit at a younger age to be able to keep doing what we keep doing, you know, because it is physical and it's hard. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh We've got to go back just a little bit. You mentioned your missus. yes. So that's probably the last little topic I want to talk with you about before I'll let you have some of your Sunday back. Oh, thank you. Is that as you mentioned, yeah, so you got you came up to the territory yep. um again in the camp this year yep, yep. and your now fiance as mm. is, is head stockman or was head stockman for the yep. year. So I find that I wanted to discuss this because I haven't had the opportunity to talk to someone before in this dynamic, but oh, usually, oh, no, you I have, have t- no, I have, no, oh, I haven't. No, that's why oh, I want to wow. talk to you about it because it's very common for people partnered in industry mm. that the man is like the manager or the head stockman mm. or that you know, in the more leadership role yeah. and the woman or, you know, is, is in the other, in not as well, high a role. I do know of one, or oh, I know of a couple of female managers. Um, well,
0: I'll be brutally honest with you. My partner has been doing this stuff on a smaller scale since she could walk. So she's obviously going to know more than what I know. I'm a surfy from Bondi again. And if, and I reckon there'd be a lot of blokes that wouldn't be able to put up with that.
1: That, and that's, yeah.
0: But mate, what's wrong with saying, well, I can't do this. You know, like if you can't do something, there's no good saying you can do it if someone's more senior than you. Um, and I think it's, I think it's very, very that you, you just got to be brave enough to just say, look, well, she knows more than me. And that's just the way it is, hey? And and she'll always know more about the industry than I will because she left school and went straight in it. Those times that I left the industry, she was still here, still branding carbs and still learning about waters and bores and everything like that, whereas I walked away from it. So I have no right to have for her to not be in charge of me.
1: Yeah, no, that's how I'm not. I feel. Yeah, and yeah. I'm not saying that you would, no. that you would think. I mean, that, someone but,
0: the other day said, "Oh, Chigo, congratulations on your job of being station manager's wife."
1: <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> but that, that's the thing, though. Is like we were saying, I don't know if many. I just and. and Just because it's not a normal dynamic. You see, like, obviously there's nothing wrong with it and it's great to have these conversations so we can normalise it. But And it's not even just in this industry, but there's plenty of industries where the men are usually in a more, like, it's just the history of time and a senior role and and the woman's there to just kind of support. And so to have that flipped around and to see how you handle it. with Yeah.
0: Like, I just, I mean, we argue and whatever else, like every couple does and whatever, but, like, I, what I do completely understand is that she is more senior than me because I wouldn't be able to do the things that I have been. And she, the best thing about my partner is that she puts me out of my comfort zone. She says, you got to back yourself. So she wants me to get better at what we're doing and she's pushed me to do that. And that's the reason I guess I love her. You know, she's, yeah, she's a really, really special person. Yeah. She's, yeah, she's changed my life for the better.
1: Oh I can't see her face, her back's to me right now, but it's
0: very rude.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well she's working, so you know.
0: Um but yeah, like there's just some very, very there's just there's a lot of things that I can't do on stations that my partner can do Mm. and she can help me to do them. And I'm learning a lot more from her every day.
1: Part of me wants to be like, Wow, Chico, you handle this with such grace and oh this is so great to see but I know, then the other part of me is like, well, no, like you, it's not like a, it should, how, how this is and the way you guys handle it. And even when I say handle, I'm like, oh, is that even the right word to use? It should be normal, should be standard. I guess it just isn't yet because it is kind of new. Like there isn't, you know, I know of a few female station managers where their partners are either lower than them or they work off the properties, you know, like, but just, from that normal dynamic we have. So I don't want to be like, Oh wow, Chico, you do so well not to be th-. like, I don't mean it like that. No, I'm trying to figure out how to say it without making it a big deal. But I just think again, I'm just thinking of someone who might listen to this. And I guess, you know, there's but a lot the ind- of ego in industry and I don't oh. know how many people could handle, uh, I, and, and it's not just even in this industry, but how many. You know, it's like if you have a stay-at-home dad and the woman's the breadwinner or whatever. Like, it doesn't matter what industry you're in or whatever. There's still – it's just not as normal for that gender role or gender dynamics to be, like, reversed.
0: No, it's not.
1: And so, I just think the more we have these kind of conversations and get these examples out there. That if someone else might find themselves in a position at some point or, you know, who knows, maybe you both – I think I've – Heard of someone or have I met someone? I get confused. I meet so many people where, you know, like they've even started out at the same time and stay together. But yeah. someone, oh, actually, no, yes, yeah, so I have, I have had friends tell me that they've had couples in their camp yeah. and the girl's like way more handy than the boy or whatever. Oh, and I'll
0: be honest with you, that first camp I had at New Meal Valley was full of girls, right? Mm. And they were better than most blokes. Yeah. They were hectic, eh? And and, you know, yeah, maybe physical-wise they couldn't do everything, but everything else they leave you for day to day.
1: But I wonder how we'd go if, say, you've got a couple that have kind of started off together or, you yep. know, their first years and they've got the same amount of, say, experience, I'm using little air yep. quotes here, and then it comes time that somebody needs to be head stockman and the company picks the girl to go be head stockman mm. or head stockwoman. That stock person over the boyfriend. Like, I don't know how many relationships necessarily would survive that just because of the way society's structured yeah. and ego and gender roles.
0: And- but at the end of the day, I guess, like, they've picked her and you just got to suck it up. Um, hey? Yeah. So that's like, yeah. but maybe you could go somewhere else and run the camp next door. Yeah. Or, you, you know, if, or something like that. But I think, and as I said, I knew that this year, like, if this would either make us or break us, like her being my boss, you know, and she, she didn't, you know, she didn't hold back on me this year. She got very, dis- she didn't, she's one of them girls. She won't yell at you and that, but she gets very, very disappointed with me. But like she's pushing me, which is, which is, I, th- I think it's really good.
1: I think as opportunities for women in this industry continue to open up in terms of like leadership and we have, we see more women now as headstock persons and managers and yeah. all those other things. There well, there's is heaps of them now. Way, isn't there? Yeah. 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 I think there's going to be more. Of that dynamic where the woman is the boss. You I think it. should be. And I just think that this is the first time we've had that kind of dynamic on the podcast. And I just, I don't think I discussed it very eloquently or articulately, um, just now, but I just, I guess I just wanted to, I just think your attitude is great. Whereas I know I've, I've just, you know, you hear things around the traps and you hear people make comments and say things in <laughs> passing and you're like, Oh, mate, there'd be no doubt that
0: people would be writing me off and saying, no, his woman wears the pants and she's the boss and he's like a little sissy girl and they'd be giving it to me for sure. But I just don't care, eh? Because I appreciate the fact that she knows a lot more than me and I'm happy for her to lead and me to follow suit and hopefully I can get up to where she is at that level at some stage. That's my goal anyway.
1: And this is why we've got you on the podcast, Chico. Thank you, just you very a much. Fucking ripper attitude. Yeah.
0: But you've got to have, you know, you, you've got to realize that if somebody it doesn't matter what job you're in, if someone's been doing it longer and they're very, very good at their job, you can't just because you're a guy or you're, you're a girl or you're more masculine than someone doesn't mean that you're better than them. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you know? and it doesn't matter if we're talking about cattle or you're a lawyer. Yeah, or a whatever.
0: Like, whatever. Exp- like- experience talks. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. Experience really talks. And, you know, especially when she's from something like this, but just a small operation, like she'd followed, she's been following her father around for for years and caretaking little blocks for people and even caretaking little blocks for people during the really bad drought in Queensland and stuff like that. So she's, she's very, very switched on. She's very, very onto it. And I love learning from her every day, even though we do have the odd tiff, but you know, that's just life. But yeah. Well, I'm no. very
1: excited to see where things go because it's yeah. been a big couple of years for you coming out of COVID. Mm. Like you said, you've, you've gotten back into industry. Yep. Back up in the territory. Yep. You're in love and engaged. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Like, so
0: we'll just see how good it Good thing um, you
1: know a good wedding photographer.
0: Well, yeah. What are you putting yourself out there? Are you? Well, we're actually planning. I think we're going to get married in New South down at Yamba. That's, that's the talk at the moment, but anything could happen. You know, it could change and COVID could hit again. We'll have to go up mm. to Darwin in the heat and, you know, but I just thought we thought we've actually been talking about the last couple of days actually about where we're going to get married. So.
1: What about the golfie? The golfie. Or well, the RSL? <laughs> Come on, support your local community. <laughs> What's wrong with the golfie? They've got a nice yard. Well, there's there's, there's,
0: there's, there's, there's nothing wrong them. with it, but the, the fact of the matter is like all of our Family and everything like that's down that way. Oh yeah.
1: Excuses, excuses,
0: yeah. excuses, excuses. You just want us to go to the golfy so you can take the photos.
1: I don't want to photograph at the golfy. That would be, yeah, exactly. I don't know how I'd make that pretty happy. Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. But it is a good place for a drink and yeah. a beer and yeah. But look, Steph, I just want to thank you because you've, you've opened up some old demons and some old wounds on me, which is in, no, in a,
1: I hope in a, no, like, in a
0: really, really, I hope it's good, not in a way that when no. I
1: leave the driveway and then you start shit. Yeah, start no, it
0: start melting down. Yeah. No, no, it's it's nothing like that. But you have, I suppose, you have opened up my adoption. You've opened up the way that having older people in the camps, when you actually don't even think about things like that, you've opened up a lot of things for me, and you've made me feel extremely comfortable. And you'll be a friend that I'll have for a long time. So thank you very much for bringing me on this, and thank Willie D. Got to give Willie D. a shout out because he's the one who arranged all this. He Do you is. know him?
1: Oh, I've met him once or twice. Yeah, right.
0: Yep. Yep. So he's actually in Narrabri at the moment. So shout out to Narrabri too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Is, <laughs> you know, you got to watch out for those pilots. They'll come stay one night and then the next minute they're <laughs> living there and they won't leave. They never and leave. Then they 30 never years leave. later, they're still there. Still so, there. So, um, well, there is one final question for you to answer. And yep. also we are going to have to just do more podcasts because your voice, I was listening to the first episode while I've been editing it and your voice is. I mean, you've got a face for TV. You know, people say, "Oh, you've got a face for radio." You don't have a face for radio, but you have a voice for radio. Well,
0: I can try. Yeah, no, maybe get a job somewhere. You never know.
1: It's good. No, it's good. We're going to do. No, you'll be on this podcast exclusive. Well, that'll be fun. We'll have to do. do We'll have to do something else. Yeah, Yeah. we'll just
0: mental health or something. Oh,
1: just wild yarns. Well, I know.
0: Some someone else maybe can get. Me and Rankin or something big. Yes, a young, it?
1: yeah, that's that's <laughs> what I'm thinking. We do have four microphones, so we can do this. All right, all right. But final question, which is I asked you a version of it in the last episode. Looking back on your life so far, so your whole life now, thirty-five years, what would you say is the major takeaway lesson?
0: Okay, take every opportunity and don't miss something that's been given to you. Give everything a go whether it's six months, three months, two months, if you get an opportunity to do something and you are somewhat in it, please give it a go because you never know where your life could end up.